It happened at the gym, on the subway, and while standing in line at Target. You had several small moments today where you were tempted to talk to the person next to you, but you just weren't sure of what to say. You always feel like you're performing when you speak to people you don't know, and that's too bad because currently you're in a season of wanting to invite new connections into your life. But how do you make that happen? Is the awkwardness just inevitable? In this week's episode of the Friend Forward podcast, I'm sharing my conversation with Ashley Kersner, founder and director of Skip the Small Talk, a speed friending style event that facilitates meaningful connections between strangers, helping them to get closer faster. Ashley has conducted research with professors at Cornell University. She's given a TEDx talk about small talk in the loneliness epidemic, and her work has been featured in Forbes, NBC, and the Boston Globe. In today's conversation, we will cover three things you should do before you talk to someone you don't know, what the research says about interacting with strangers, and one mind-blowing mental shift that will completely change your approach to conversations. So if you're ready to expand your social circle, but you're tired of the meaningless small talk, then this episode is for you. This is Friend Forward, the podcast. And if you're having girl problems, I got you. I'm your host, Danielle Byer-Jackson, a friendship coach, speaker, and author. And when it comes to the joys, complexities, and misconceptions surrounding female friendship, I am here to help you through it. I am so excited to have you here on the Friend Forward podcast because I first learned about the work that you're doing from a TikTok video. Somebody tagged your your this event and they were talking about their experience. And I was like, I'm sorry, I need to have a discussion and figure <laughs> out what's going on. So, so I appreciate your time and thank you for being a guest on the show. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. I was so delighted to hear that there's a podcast all about female friendship. That's amazing. And we need more conversations like that in the world. I totally agree. I think listeners would agree too, because we we enjoy having that conversation here. And so when I learned about what you are doing, I thought, okay, we have to hear more. And then I'd love to hear about how we can take practical applications from this event that you have that's so unique and apply it to our everyday lives. So why don't you start by telling me who you are and what you do? My name is Ashley Kersner, and I am the founder of Skip the Small Talk. So Skip the Small Talk is this thing I started. Um, it's an event where basically you can go and meet new people and have meaningful conversations. And we facilitate those conversations uh, with these question prompt cards that have meaningful questions on them. And basically you would talk to, if, you're, if you were attending as a guest, your experience would be that you would talk to one person for 10 minutes um, using these cards and then switch off, talk to another person for 10 minutes. Um, but it's a little more than that. Of course, we like do some norm setting and really get people all on the same page and everything. But that's what it is in a nutshell. Um, and I've been doing it for about, I believe, six years now. So talk to me about how you guys are meaningfully, intentionally crafting strong connections among strangers. I think so much of it is just in setting the tone at the beginning. So we actually have norms, as I alluded to earlier, that like the facilitator will actually go through. So we actually, so my background is actually in psychology research. Um, I was doing that for 10 years before I started this. And, you know, a lot of the norms that we set actually have to do with distress tolerance. So we actually acknowledge that talking to a stranger can be stressful. I think that's some, a reality that a lot of people try to pretend isn't real, especially 
Um, but that's really not honoring the experience of most people, including introverts. Like, I think it can be really stressful at first to put yourself out there. So a lot of the things we actually encourage people to do, we don't explicitly mention this at the events, but a little like look under the hood is that we're helping people tolerate like, you know, those moments that might be a little awkward, a little uncomfortable, those moments where you're being a little more vulnerable and, you know, you're not sure if that person's into it yet. So we're really just giving people tools for like, make getting out of your comfort zone as comfortably as possible so i think that's a really big piece of it i think another thing is at the beginning of the event we are talking about things like mindfulness self-compassion and other things that research shows makes you more present and more able to connect so i think that's really a big part of it is what you do before the connection is what mindset are you in are you going to be open to connecting are you accepting that it's not going to go perfectly. So the first time that there's like an awkward silence, you're not like totally dismissing the possibility of connection. So I think so much of it is really in the prep. And that's why we put so much thought and work and care into that first part. Oh my gosh. I, I'm slow clapping you. That's amazing. <laughs> and let me tell you what I appreciate so much about what you're saying is I, I love that you are acknowledging the work that happens before you go and do the thing. Um, and I think if a lot more of us uh, leaned into that, the, the mental prep work before getting out there, that it would mm -hmm. feel like less of a performance. It would feel yes. like less of a, you know, a laborious task because it's an extension now of just what you do and how you connect as a human being. So, you know, you mentioned stuff about being present and doing mental prep work. What are some of the things that you would suggest a person get mentally prepared for mm -hmm. before they go to a social mixer or a party? What What are the skips that we tend to to overlook? Yes. Well, I can just sort of share some of the norms that we offer that at the beginning, which I think is actually a great little pep talk at the beginning of uh, any sort of social event. Honestly, I have a lot of people who come and they've come to like, you know, seven different events of ours and we do the same norms. And so I'm like, do you get bored of it? And they're like, no, I'm, it's helpful to hear every time. So honestly, if you do this as a pep talk before every party or networking event you go to, not the worst thing in the world. So um, I mean, one of them is uh, self-compassion and just like, you know, accepting that nothing's going to go perfectly, that you're not going to be perfect, the people you talk to are not going to be perfect, and just allowing that to be the case and noticing any feelings that come up as a result and just letting those feelings pass on their own time. I mean, you know, feelings have a tendency to not last forever and just acknowledging that like, it's completely normal to feel a little annoyed, a little bored, a little anything and just sort of allowing that in addition to other feelings you might be noticing like excitement feeling connected feeling close to people so just sort of allowing that it's not going to be perfect and just noticing any feelings as they come up um, and not feeling the need to necessarily immediately attack any of those feelings but just noticing them let them do their thing um, and then you have the option to take action on them if you'd like so that's a big piece um, another one that is just a classic, it's just being mindful and just being aware of yourself, um, being aware of anything that comes up, which really dovetails with that. Um, another one is um, just acknowledging that you might not know what to say or do at any point and that that's also normal and okay and that other people might not know what to say or do and that might lead to moments of silence. And I think so many of us are terrified of those moments of silence and feel this need to fill it immediately. 
Um, but some of the most interesting conversations I've had have been with people who are so comfortable with the silence that they will just sit there for a full 10 seconds. And then something really fascinating happens after that because we've sat there together for those 10 seconds. So I think just, you know, you don't have to be at that extreme, but allowing a little more silence than you might be used to or comfortable with is like a nice stretch because then some of the most interesting answers are like, um, at our events, some of the most interesting answers can come from those silences um, if you just like let them happen. Um, so yeah, those are a few of them. And those are, I think, the ones that I think I personally find most useful in my like socializing life. So yeah, if that's helpful before you go to any party for any listeners, go for it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so helpful. And you know what? The, the theme I'm hearing in, in these you know norms and guidelines you're presenting is it's just like permission, giving mm -hmm. yourself permission for this conversation to unfold in a way that reveals itself to you instead of being like I'm a performer this is my stage mm -hmm. I have to have my script ready almost like taking in an attitude of curiosity I wonder what mm -hmm. I can learn today I wonder what's mm -hmm. going to happen and it's just like a completely different experience with the mindset that you kind of outlined here yeah, thank you. You know, it's funny. We also—it's funny you mentioned curiosity too, um, because we also do speed dating events, and at those, the norms are a little different. And one of the things we mentioned there is just go in with the intention of I want to learn something about myself, or I want to learn something about what I'm into and what I'm not into, and not necessarily I want to leave here with like the love of my life. Some people do, and it works out beautifully. But going in with the intention of I am just here to learn and to notice what I find interesting and what I don't just go so far. And I think that's so applicable to any social interaction. Oh my God. That's such, and that is such great framing, you know, in coaching, a lot of times we talk about how we're even going to measure success. So mm -hmm. you know, coaching women all week long, and I, I remind them constantly, you know, so when we get off this call, you doing a good job is not you making a best friend this weekend. That's okay. not even how we're measuring. It's by you, you know, recently I worked with a client and she's scared to even make it known that she wants connection, like to pursue okay. friendships with women she's been curious about. It's terrifying to make it known. It feels very vulnerable. And so we said for her, we're going to measure success by you finding a way to make it known with your coworkers next week by saying, Hey, do you want to go out after, or, Hey, I'm curious about what you do outside of work. That's you making it known. As long as you do that next week, you had a success to me and not okay. the success being in the, the coworker saying, okay, great. Yes. Let's right. go cocktails. And it was amazing. You know? So mm -hmm. I, I mean, your reframing is so powerful because it totally changes the way that we engage yeah, no, it totally does. I think making success in the process as opposed to the outcome is so, I mean, there's research to support it, but if you're like more focused on the actual process as opposed to the outcome, the outcome is actually likelier to come about faster <laughs> for the most part. Um, that if you're, yeah, if you're more focused on both the process as well as if you define success in terms of your own um, actions as opposed to external actions. It gives you a more what's called in social psychology, um, an internal locus of control, which makes you feel that, you know, you can actually control if I'm right. I hope I'm right on this. This is like, you're right. You're ago. right. Please, <laughs> please correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Throw it in the comments. But um, I think it's called an internal locus of control, where basically you feel like you are more in control of things and people like that. Um, yeah. and people are likelier to stick with it longer. So yeah, really brilliant coaching strategy in general too. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. So what are you hearing from the people who, who attend, uh, these events? What, what are they saying? What's the feedback? Yeah. So we get really wholesome feedback. We get, I think the most common thing is people saying, 
you know, I was so nervous that I was going to like fake sick so I could get a refund and not come or like people saying that like I was so close to not coming or like my friend dragged me or other stuff like that. And then they're so glad they did. I think that's like the most common thing that like they people have a very, you know, I, I used to work in a social psych lab where the main finding that this professor had was basically like, we're very bad at predicting our own future emotions. And I think I just keep seeing that over and over again, where people expect that they're going to not like it for some reason, or that like, ugh, I hate people, or like, people are the worst, or like, people are just feeling jaded. And like, you know, I think, our assumptions about whether we would get along with any random stranger are not actually accurate. I think they're based on like, you know, years of horrible social media stuff. And I just think that like, you know, after, you know, so many years of isolation, a lot of us are coming out assuming the worst of people. And I think people just continue to be surprised that the average person doesn't want to harm you. And the average person can actually connect with you and like you can find something in common or something that is meaningful even with someone who seems like they would be quite different from you so I think that's the biggest thing and you know I do get to hear sweet wholesome stories about like oh I like was new in town and I met my whole friend group through this or like I got invited to a housewarming party by a couple that met at one of these and like they were moving in together which is very sweet so like people do seem to make friends and um do seem to like you know I, I think it does take a little, you know, you have to actually keep up with them is the thing. Like we can, you know, we can offer you all the opportunities to meet wonderful people, um, but you ultimately have to text them for like pizza afterwards. And so the people who are willing to do that do end up making uh, quite a few friends at these has been the feedback that I've been getting. I hope you're enjoying today's interview about how to have better conversations. If you're looking for even more scripts, research, and videos to help you be a better conversationalist, especially when meeting new people, then consider purchasing your copy of my ebook, How to Create, Carry, and Close Conversations with New People. It includes several jam-packed pages of some of my favorite tips, conversation starters, and strategies to help you carry conversations in a more comfortable and productive way without all of the guesswork. You can download your copy now at betterfemalefriendships.com or simply find the link in the show notes. That's betterfemalefriendships.com. We can't wait to see you over there. That's great. It's, it's funny hearing you talk about people who are like, I was going to pretend I'm sick to yep. get out of this. Because <laughs> I, I appreciate what you're saying about, you know, all the research about how bad of a job we do about predicting our emotions. And that seems to be along the lines of, you know, the research that shows how much we underestimate how people feel about us, you know, so mm -hmm. underestimating how much people like us in the first interaction, which we know to be called the liking gap, underestimating mm -hmm. how much people appreciate hearing from us if we reach out to them, underestimating. And so it's just so interesting to here you talk about how that's kind of emerged as a theme of their experience. I didn't expect to feel the way that I do is yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been wholesome to see. And I think one, you know, one of my favorite little findings, we actually happen to have a, a researcher from Tufts University decided to like study us as an intervention for loneliness. And they found the sort of more obvious things like, yes, we reduce loneliness. Yes. People feel more connected. Yes. People feel in a better mood after. But I think my favorite little detail of it was that they found that the grumpier you were coming into the event, the worse a mood you were in when you came to the event, the larger the mood boost you saw leaving it. So I'm just like, if you 
feel like you would hate this event and that people suck, you are the perfect person to attend this event. <laughs> I don't That's know a great how to marketing communicate that. Little, yeah. I know. I was like, I don't know how to really put that in marketing in a way people will listen to. But uh, if you have any ideas, I'm all here. Does talking to strangers terrify you? You're, this event is, this is for, for you. you know, this is for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is really that is so interesting, and I and I love hearing the stories that that people are sharing with you about um, how meaningful this has been for them, and how eye opening and confidence boosting, and how it's actually helping them create genuine friendships. I mean, is is terrific. You are doing great work with this. How does the conversation around introvert versus extrovert play a role in this whole scenario? That is such an astute question because it does come up a lot. We've had more than one person refer to this as extrovert heaven because you know that like everyone else there is down to have a conversation with you, um, which is nice. You don't have to feel self-conscious about like, you know, wait, do these people actually want to talk with me? You know that they do because they're at this event. And some of the people who proselytize most about our event are actually introverts. They're folks who really appreciate the structure and really appreciate just the intentionality of of it and the fact that you don't have to figure out how do I end this conversation because we will move you along every 10 minutes or so. So I think a lot of folks struggle with boundaries. I think introverts in particular have a difficult time if they have any sense of shame of like, oh, I should want to talk to this person for eight more hours. I should want to do this. I think that shame makes it difficult to set boundaries like, oh, thank you so much. I'm actually getting kind of tired. I'm like going to leave or like, actually, like I'm feeling kind of bored from this conversation. I'm going to head out, which not necessarily um, a way you should phrase it. But regardless, I do feel like there's some more pressure to set more boundaries and it can be difficult to do so. So being in an environment where those boundaries are already largely preset, I think give introverts a lot more freedom to, you know, get as deep as they want to within those 10 minutes with a person and not fear that, oh, no, if I get too deep, I'm going to be stuck here for like three hours and not be able to excuse myself. So I think that helps a lot. But yeah, I mean, I do think it's also been really interesting to see people self-identify very differently. Like, I think one thing I've learned from this is you cannot have a conversation with someone and accurately guess whether they're an extrovert or introvert necessarily. Like people's internal experience of whether they are drained from a conversation or not is so different from whether or not they're able to have a pleasant conversation. So I think, you know, we tend to make assumptions like, oh, you must be an extrovert or, oh, you must be an introvert when really that's not always the case. You know, people's internal experience is often so different from what they're showing. So I feel like one lesson I've learned is also don't make assumptions about how people feel about interactions in general. Most of us, I'm confident I'm an extrovert. Most of us still have that little moment where you're a little nervous or at least aware that rejection is possible. And to be in a space where you know everyone's purpose, their mission is to engage and connect with you and to receive you. I mean, it's just such a beautiful thing. And it just sounds like a hope filled room full of possibility. And it's just really lovely. And I'm so glad to hear the cool stories that you're getting from people. I'm not surprised. And this is very, very important work. As we close, let me ask you, what is one final message you have or one big lesson you've learned or one key takeaway that you want to share with those who are listening and are now encouraged either one to attend one of these events or two, just to kind of extract some of the advice you shared today? Um, what's your final kind of note or message for us? I think the biggest thing I hope people take away from this is just that if you are going around the world thinking, Ugh, people are the worst, I hate people, and all that sort of, you know, language that we hear so often that 
we we're very affected by the language that we use and you might want to reconsider the phrasing and instead of oh, people are the worst it was this person hurt me or I felt really sad when, and let down when this happened because I do think we have sort of fallen into this shorthand for I'm exhausted or I'm hurt or I'm tired um, that really I think has done a lot to make us lose faith in humanity in a pretty powerful way that I'm seeing over and over again and I think even just dialing it back on that language, I think goes such a long way to just acknowledging that people are generally good and want to help you and want to be happy and want to see the people around them happy for the most part. And yeah, I think that's easy to forget and lose track of. Yeah, yeah, God, that's okay. Mic drop. That's a great way. <laughs> To end this because you're so right for people who are listening and they're so excited about what it is you're doing and they want to get more plugged in and they want to keep up with all that you have going on. Where can they follow along with you? Yeah, uh, please check out skipthesmalltalk.com. We have events in, I believe, 12 different cities right now, including a couple international ones that I'm excited about. So feel free to check us out. We have uh, in-person events as well as online events and we do speed dating as well. And we also do, um, actually, fun fact, college and corporate events, which have been really fun, too. So feel free to check us out for any of those. Skipthesmalltalk.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for what you do. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it, Danielle. All right, ladies, as your new official friendship coach, here's your homework. Listen closely. I want you to reflect on one of the mindsets that Ashley offered about how to rethink conversations. And I encourage you to create from that a mantra. I already know. <laughs> I can see your face when I say that. It sounds a little hippy-dippy, but consider mantras like, I am excited about what other people can teach me. I give myself permission to feel my feelings. I will keep showing up because I value connection. I engage with others because I'm a curious person. These are four of the essential key points that she kind of shared with us today. And I know even as I say that I give myself permission to feel my feelings, but I love how Ashley mentioned how you are going to have tons of feelings during a conversation. You're going to be bored sometimes. You're going to be curious. You're going to be excited. You're going to be maybe kind of just over it all together. And that's okay. That's not you doing it wrong. That's just you being a person engaging with another person. And I just, I'm so excited and impressed by the ways that she's reframed this entire approach. So if this is really resonating with you, I encourage you to follow along with Ashley and the work that she's doing at skipthesmalltalk.com. And if you want a real life opportunity to put this into practice, I hope you'll consider joining us at Fireside a small intimate friendship event that I'm hosting here in sunny Tampa, Florida on March 4th. You'll find more of the details at betterfemalefriendships.com. And I'm really, really excited to finally see so many of you in person. Until then, you know that I'll be right here rooting for you always on your ongoing journey toward better female friendships. Until next time.